thank God for carols, eh? It's a sad day today. Today is the last day that we can sing Christmas carols at church together, but it's not actually illegal to sing Christmas carols outside of December, just so you guys know. Let's give these guys a round of applause. That was awesome. Thanks so much, worship team. You guys can grab a seat. Well, today's the last part of our three-part series on Too Good to Not Believe. Who's enjoyed it so far? You guys are believing for more this year? One person is. <laughs> Come on, it's got to be better for next year, right? This year was pretty rough. Like, 2022 is coming. You know that our, our perspective on life is often dictated to by the narratives that we've heard growing up. The stories we've heard from our families, from our friends, from our educational institutes, all those sorts of things, they all contribute to the way that we see the world and the things that we believe. I became a Christian when I was about 14 years old, and I was um, watching this documentary back probably when I was 14 or 15 called Invisible Children. Has anyone ever heard of that doco? A couple of people. Anyone heard of Coney 2012? Yeah? Before Coney 2012, these guys went across to sort of northern Uganda, southern Sudan, and they did this documentary called Invisible Children. And I remember watching this documentary and for the first time in my life being so shocked at what was happening in the world. I grew up in Western Sydney and it was like the area we grew up in was pretty monocultural. My best friend in kindergarten, his name was Siplamunda. He was the first black person I'd ever met in my life. And he became my best friend. But I was so intrigued that there was people that were different to me in the world. But I'd never seen the oppression going on in the world. So when I watched this documentary, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that there are kids living in slavery. I can't believe there are child soldiers. I can't believe there are kids that are being tortured in the world. That, that's just not okay. I remember sitting there watching the documentary. I remember pretending like I wasn't crying. I got really upset and I said, I'm going to go and change this. I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to save the world. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, a couple of guys have been around long enough to go, oh, kids' dreams, eh? But I, I went across to Africa, and I flew across on a plane. We used to be able to do that. And um, the week before I left Sydney to go to Kenya, the Kenyan airport burnt down. It was really weird. It was like, my friend said, where are we going to fly to if they've got no airport? I'm like, I don't know, but we'll just show up and see what happens. So we landed, and we were sort of, transited through these big tents, you pay money and then they let you in the country, um, and then we walked out and it was a bit weird, because the airport had burnt down, I didn't know where the exit was, there wasn't like signs or anything like that, but there was just this guy with a machine gun, never seen that before, standing at a gate and I was like, this is really cool, I said, hey mate, listen, I'm from Australia, can I take a picture? And he said no, so I was like, cool. And then he led us through the gate and then we realised we were at the wrong gate, so we tried to go back in. But he said no, and I was like, oh no, we're lost. But not only did I watch Invisible Children a few years earlier, probably not, before, not long before I went to Kenya, I watched another documentary. I don't know what it was called, but it was some South American documentary about these tourists that get to a country, and they get in a taxi, and it turns out the taxi's not a real taxi, and they get kidnapped and like held for ransom. I couldn't see the guy that we were meant to meet. I could just see a lot of taxis, and a lot of people yelling at me saying, Get in our taxi, get in our taxi, we'll take you where you need to go. Like, get in our taxi. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be killed. I don't know where I am. I don't know how to communicate with anyone here. My English, I thought, was good. Their English was different. And I was like, in the end, I was like, okay, we'll just hop in this cab and we'll try to figure out where we're going. 
and we jumped in. He charged me 50 US dollars. He dropped us around the corner to the other exit. He had no change, of course. So um, that was my first sort of experience in Kenya. But I remember being there and, and just being fully immersed in a world that was so different to my own, with perspectives that were so different to my perspective. My life was so different. The stories that these kids had been told had been so different than the stories that I was told growing up. And it starts to make you wonder, is what I believe true? Is what I've been taught the reality? Or is it something different? Today I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about who is God. I want to talk about who is humanity. And I want to talk about who is Jesus. And this has sort of been a bit of a journey that I've been on. Um, the journey of discovering, understanding the stories that are told to us growing up. So um, turn with me to the first page in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And verse 2 says this, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This passage, what goes on through Genesis 1, is a poem. It's a creation poem. And this would have been the story that all of Israel would have heard on the regular. See, because when this happened, there was not someone writing this out. In fact, all of Genesis would have been stories told to generations as families sat around and started to understand who God was, who God is. See, we go through the whole book of Genesis with, with Israel, hearing these stories about creation, hearing about their God, the one that they worshipped, the one that created them, and they start to understand who God is, that God wants to be with his people. God wants to walk amongst his people. God created us with intention. But as we continue through Genesis, we start to see this image fail. In the book of Genesis 1 and 2, there is no slavery. But by the end of the book of Genesis, Gen Genesis, Genesis, it's running rampant. In fact, when you get to the book of Exodus, Israel is in bondage. They'd forgotten what happened just a few chapters earlier, where basically Joseph went and saved all of Egypt, and now they're the ones building the pyramids. They're in slavery. And that's not the way that God intended the world to work. God didn't come into humanity or create humanity so that we would have slaves of one another, but that we would live in communion with God. We would be there with him. I think that one of the things that we, we struggle with when we talk about God is that we fail to communicate the true message of Jesus. We fail to communicate the true message of God. We get caught up in things that don't really matter that much. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know when someone says, oh, you're a Christian, so you don't believe in this. Have you noticed that? Oh, you're a Christian, so you think this. Anyone ever had experienced that? Anyone ever had, oh, so you're a Christian, so you just like love people, don't you? I haven't heard that one too many times. Oh, you're a Christian, so that must mean that you just care for everyone and you hate injustice. It's, it's like we've lost the banner that was supposed to be above the Christian title, saying that that person loves people unconditionally. That person desires to be with people. See, this is what creation was all about. God and humanity together in the garden. Together in its purest form. But everything started to change. See, the beautiful thing about God is that God has tried to communicate his purpose for humanity throughout all of history. All of Israel lived what's, 
in, in what's called an oral tradition. So there was no written text. So everything was translated through stories, through poems, passed from generation to generation. If you guys ever come to a family dinner with me, more than welcome to come, Sarah will tell you that every single one of our family dinners is just story after story after story. And we tell the same stories and we add a little bit of extra like seasoning to those stories every time so they become more and more exciting. But we'll be sitting at the dinner table telling stories about, oh, you remember when we were young and this happened? You remember when this happened? Or you remember when our grandparents did this to us? Or remember when you fell over? That was hilarious. And we're telling these stories and we're getting so excited about stories. See, and this is what Israel was all about. They'd be sitting down and hearing stories of creation, remembering these stories word for word so that one day they could tell their children and their children could tell their children and their children could tell their children. But you see, God wanted to reveal himself to us even more than just through the stories. Have you ever wondered why God picked Moses? No? <laughs> You're like, Moses seems pretty cool. See, Moses, Moses was in a bit of a weird predicament because Moses was born in a family that was Hebrew. But then Pharaoh decided that he was going to kill all the boys in Egypt. If you read through the first couple of chapters in Exodus. So Moses' mum puts him in a basket and like floats him down the Nile River. Anyone been to the Nile River? I've whitewater rafted on the Nile River, and that is gnarly, okay? I don't know what mum was thinking when she's like, all right, Moses, you'll be right, head on down. But he made it. And as it would happen, basically he got taken into Pharaoh's house and raised there, but still Moses' mother was the one to nurse him. So, so strange, you know what I mean? To think that, the mum basically had to let him go, but received him back to, to grow him and to nurture him. And this is how Moses knows who he really is as a Hebrew. See, Moses would have been bilingual growing up. In Egypt, they spoke Coptic, and his family would have, well, his biological family would have spoken Hebrew. So his language would have been pretty good. Like we hear the verses a bit later on where they say, oh, Moses probably had a speech impediment. Moses probably had a stutter. That's what I'm reading from these verses. It's like, no, Moses just had so many languages going through his head, he didn't know which one to speak from time to time. Because he grew up with multiple cultures. He knew what the Egyptians' culture was. He knew the stories of all of the Egyptian gods. But then he also knew the story of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because these stories were told to him. So much so that he knew what humanity was. So the day when he saw the Egyptian soldier beating one of his own people. He knew that it wasn't right. He knew that that wasn't what humanity was made for. He probably did the wrong thing next, but he didn't want to see that because he saw his people. At the same time, he would have seen the Egyptians as his people. They grew him. as They were his family. They were his brothers, his sisters. But he knew that there was something that was wrong, so he fled. When he got caught out, he fled into the desert and from there, he probably learned another language. See, he was probably in a community when he met Jethro. He was probably in a community where they didn't speak Coptic and they didn't speak Hebrew. They maybe spoke Arabic or Aramaic or something else. So now he's got this third language that he's learning and he's, he's trying to go through life with all this communication, all these stories, all these narratives about what life is when he meets God in the desert, in the wilderness. And he's been gone for a long time, but he meets God. And I want to read you this, this passage in the book of Exodus. It says this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. 
When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Have you ever felt content in being in a place in a moment? I did the ADHD test online the other day. (laughs) Mum never got me the help I needed growing up. (laughs) Because I scored 46 out of 50 on that test. It's probably one of the highest marks I ever got. And I cannot imagine being still for one second and just going, here I am. And then being silent. I was like, I was reading through Exodus this week and I'm like, Moses doesn't actually talk that much in that moment. I wouldn't shut up. Like, stop listening to God. But he goes, here I am. And then he just listens. And God starts to speak and starts to unfold the journey of of what Moses is going to encounter in the next years to come. And then the next verse. So remember, he goes, here I am. And then in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, he says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Well, let me tell you, Moses, you are the most qualified so far because you've been to Pharaoh's house, so they'll probably let you back in. You're also the most qualified because you come from a Hebrew family, so the language that you can speak and the stories that you can communicate, they will be loyal to you. Moses was the ideal choice for this role. He was the ideal person to go back to Egypt and to deliver God's message to these people. Because he knew their culture, he knew their stories, and he could speak into that culture, and he could speak into their stories with his language. So that's what he did. He went back. He rescued the people. See, it's a beautiful narrative of a person stepping into the world and changing humanity. He brought them out of slavery, led them through the wilderness into the the promised land. It's a beautiful story. Why else was Moses qualified? Did you know that probably the earliest language written down in all of history was Egyptian hieroglyphics? Did you know that? You remember the little pictures of the birds and stuff on the wall? It's one of the first ever written down languages that could tell stories. Do you know who the first five books in the Bible are attributed to for writing? Moses. Moses brought the written word of God probably with a lot of help from other people. Someone wrote about his death. I don't think he wrote about his own death. (laughs) But he was so qualified to take the message of God to the next level, took it from stories to sounds that could be written down and that could be spread amongst the nations. The scriptures we have because someone was able to translate what we're saying into text so that it could spread further than where I can go, which is amazing. See, Moses shows us what humanity started to become like when they were free. See, humanity stepped into bondage and slavery when we fell from God. And that's what we see through Egypt. That's what we see through all of the slavery. The hard thing is that I think we look at the Old Testament and go, wow, look, the olden days, they were so bad. Can you imagine slavery? That's so bad. Do you know what still happens today? Did you know when we stepped outside of our community, probably even parts of our community, slavery is real, it is true, it is active. And we're called to be like Moses and to set people free from the injustice and from the inhumanity and to bring life to people. That's our calling as Christians, is to bring humanity back to humans, to bring life to the people of this world. 
It's such a strange parallel when we move forward a few thousand years to Jesus. Remember what happened after Jesus was born? An angel of the Lord came and said, Joseph, you need to flee. You need to take your son. And where did he take him? Took him to Egypt. Jesus fled to Egypt as a refugee for fear of being killed by a king that was going to murder all of the sons. Such a strange parallel between Moses and Jesus there. The fact that someone was rescued so that they come back to, to rescue others. In the book of John chapter 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is like a new creation story. If you look at this in conjunction with Genesis chapter 1, the poetry and the form of text is so similar. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And now we see Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. See, John is writing about this new creation, this new thing that is happening, where life is going to be as it should have been. See, that's what Jesus brings to us. Jesus restores the life that we were supposed to live, which was a life walking in step with God. But not only that, he goes a step further and goes, this is what humanity is in its purest form. See, Jesus became human to show us how we should live out our humanity. This is what creation was all about in the very beginning. And now, for the first time in all of history, as Israel had been crying out for a savior, because they were in oppression at that time, the Romans were head over them. They were crying out for a savior and Jesus came. But some people missed it. Some people missed that their savior was right there in front of them. Some people missed out on the biggest thing to happen to humanity ever. Because they were blinded, often by the text. The ones that could read missed out on Jesus. Because in their minds, the narrative they had told themselves was that Jesus is meant to be like this or like that or have this or do that or not work on the Sabbath. They shouldn't be plucking those things or Jesus shouldn't be hanging out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And they missed it because their head was so caught up in, in all of their head knowledge. They missed out on the new story of creation. I love the story of Jesus coming into humanity because he does everything wrong. I like it because he hangs out with people like Peter. I think Peter had ADHD. If you look through every story where Peter does something, tries to walk on the water, sinks, pulls out a sword and cuts off someone's ear, and he's like, what are you doing? And then when Jesus is on the shore after Jesus... Is resurrected from the grave. Peter jumps in the water and swims across. This guy was crazy for Jesus, but Jesus had time for him. And Jesus had time for the tax collectors. See, Jesus brought beauty back into humanity, which didn't look at the wrong that people had done. He looked at who they were created to be and who they were. See, when people looked at Jesus' form of Christianity, they didn't say, isn't that the guy that doesn't believe in this? Or isn't that the guy that hates this people group? They said, that's the guy that hangs out with all the sinners. 
That's the guy that has time for all of the people. It was the richest and the most purest form of the humanity we should all be experiencing. That we would be rescued and that we would go into the world to rescue. See, I think for some people here today, you're living in that expectation that you're not worthy. It's always a hard message, I think, to hear sometimes when, when sometimes Christians get caught up talking about how unworthy we are. But when I look at Jesus coming into the world, that's God saying, no, no, no. You are so worthy that I would give my son to you. You are so valuable to me. You were chosen by me. This is the message of Christmas. That God would send his son into the world to be like us, to live like us, to show us who we can be. Everyone loves the verse John 3.16, but I specifically love John 3.17. It says, For Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's our calling as Christians. We don't sit in this room so we can have a little hustle and go out and condemn the real world out there. We sit in this room so we can get revved up so that we can go bring more people into the presence of God. Into the new creation, into this new beginning. I reckon there's some people sitting here right now going, far out, I need a bit of a new beginning. Maybe you're sitting here and you're not even comfortable just saying, God, I'm here. Maybe there's so much going on inside your mind, it's just racing. What I've got to do next. Maybe you're stressed and anxious about what next year holds. Maybe it's work-related, maybe it's family-related. Like Ben said, there's been so much division. But God's saying, come, sit, be here. Be present, for I am present with you. Jesus went back to heaven. He said, I'm sending you a counselor. He'll be with you. He'll be a comforter. I'm sending you the spirit. And the spirit is still moving and the spirit is still active today. Moving and changing and transforming lives. We can step into the new story today, guys. You know, your life can have meaning. Your life can have purpose. And you can be a purpose giver. You can be a rescuer. You can hang out with the sinners. You can be with people that need God. And you can change lives. Because God's the solution for that. In everything that I did in Kenya, I realized one thing. I cannot fix this problem. But I know the one who can. And in the same in your life today, you may not be able to fix the problems going on. But I know the one who can. Why don't we all just bow our heads? just going to pray for you guys. God, this year has been so hard for so many people all around the world. Lord, isolation has never been the way that you want us to live. You created us for community. You created us to be with you. And God, I ask right now, Lord, that for those that are sitting in this room, Lord, that are struggling to know the way out, 
Maybe they're full of fear. God, I pray that you would come into their hearts right now, Lord, and you would show them that you are with them. In the same way that you came into humanity 2,000 years ago, you would show them that right now you have a new beginning for them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill up our hearts, you would soften our hearts to hear your voice, that our eyes would be open to see you, to see the work that you're doing. Lord, that we would see your communication through all of history, pointing to you saying, come back to me for I created you to be with me. And if there's anyone here this morning that feels like today's my chance at a new beginning, I want this life that these guys are speaking about. I don't want to live in fear anymore. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in life. If that's you this morning, would you be bold enough to just raise your hand so I can pray for you? those that have just raised their hands, Lord, I pray that you would step into their life. You would reveal yourself to them. Lord, that you would transform them. That you would show them that they are wanted, they are desired, that they are worthy because you see them as worthy. You love them. And Lord, I pray that you would transform them. I've got a really simple prayer to pray. And why don't you repeat after me? It's only one line. And it's not everything that you need to talk about with God. But it's going to be the start of a very long conversation for the rest of your life. And the prayer goes like this. Jesus, I give you my life. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're just going to finish with a song.